Welcome to the Wholehearted Eating Podcast, where non-diet nutrition, weight-inclusive care, and integrative health collide. We're your hosts, Dana Montes and Christina Hoyt, licensed integrative clinical nutritionists and body image coaches. And we believe you deserve to have a joyful relationship with food in your body, even if you have a chronic health condition or symptoms that just won't quit. On this show, together and with our guests, we're bringing the real talk, no BS5 with tangible tools to help you pursue health and wellness without obsession or restriction. Remember our disclaimer, this podcast is meant for general information purposes only and should not be taken as a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Hey guys, on today's episode, it is part one of two of a conversation with Christina Bruce, certified integrative life coach and body trust provider. We're digging deep into the fear that happens when we don't maintain weight loss, grieving the thin body we want or had, and how our identity can be tangled up in weight suppression, especially if you work in the nutrition and fitness field. As a certified integrative life coach and body trust provider, Christina specializes in helping women break free from dieting and negative body image. Calling upon her education in health studies, sociology, yoga, meditation, and self-inquiry methodologies, Christina works one-on-one with women to help them develop a positive relationship with themselves so they can live empowering and fulfilling lives in the bodies that they have. Huge thanks to BetterHelp for sponsoring today's podcast, Wholehearted Eating. Listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com forward slash Dana. That's betterhelp.com forward slash Dana. Thank you for coming on. So first of all, we have Christina Bruce with us today, um, a body acceptance coach, and we are so excited that you're here. And first of all, we wanted to say congratulations that you announced that you're having a little one this September, I think, right? You said in September. That is so exciting. And I can absolutely, I saw your post about it. Um, when you announced and you wrote down how it was kind of inspiring you with um, your own body image stuff and wanting to dive even deeper into it and wanting to bring that into your into your child's life and I can absolutely relate to that so much um, because my daughter is a huge inspiration to me and wanting to to arm her with the <laughs> with the knowledge that I have and protect her in some ways and um, I I'm just excited and I'm excited for you and um, I was curious if has the recent news shifted something even deeper within you and your commitment to this type of work? I think you know it's interesting when when we got pregnant I was actually just hoping that it was a girl because I wanted the ability to be able to start her life off with a different experience, at least in the home, of how she could see her body, uh, her relationship with food. So I feel like this has kind of been brewing for a long time that the work that I do, I just wanted, kind of wanted the generational pattern to stop with me. So um, I think it's more just like, synchronistic or just just kind of following along with the way I thought it would be that's amazing and so I you're expecting a girl I I am yes that's exciting so do you have any advice for any newly pregnant listeners um 
for body acceptance during pregnancy and how has it kind of pushed for you if you're open to sharing? Just a small topic. <laughs> I know, just, a, just something light to get the conversation started. <laughs> just it off with a, a big area. Um, so the, yeah, yeah, I've probably a lot to say on this. The one thing that I find is um, being really mindful of, you know, what you're reading and what the conversation is going to be in the mom groups or, you know, the apps around weight and around the changing body. So I follow an app, you know, that does the week by week. Baby is the size of a coconut right now. And... (laughs) Um, there's always these little kind of comments of, uh, so for example, it was like common symptoms for this week of pregnancy. And one of it was you might start getting stretch marks, but the, the implication of the comment was like, and that's a bad thing. You know, it's like, oh, we know that you don't want the stretch marks, but you might start getting them. And, and so being kind of aware, like, I thought, huh, I go, what if you just said you may get stretch marks, and that's perfectly normal. You know, that's the body skin, like stretching to be able to maintain to to um, hold your baby. So just kind of noticing the conversations and what we're absorbing around the talk of changing bodies tends to be negative. And especially around the weight gain piece, there's a lot of fear around that. And you're going to, of course, hear stuff about, uh, oh, well, the doctor recommends only X number of pounds. And the reality is, is that, you know, bodies are going to gain weight as they need to gain weight. I always say we're not robots, but yet we talk about and treat our bodies like they should be robots. Like they come out of a manufacturer And there's this specific set of ways that they're supposed to behave and anything outside of that, there's something wrong, quote unquote wrong. And that's not the case. You know, our really, our bodies are so much smarter than we give them credit for. And so they're, they're meant to change. They're going to change. And just noticing about um, the beliefs that we've absorbed about changing bodies and how they disempower us. You know, how does it make us feel when we, have these uh, beliefs about what our body should like, should be like, um, fears about, you know, getting it back without this understanding that it's like, we're not going to get our bodies back. This, this is, our bodies are forever changed now. And that's okay. And that's supposed to happen. And that's a good thing because we were just creating a life and giving birth to a life. And if we didn't have these ideas and these fears around, you know, our bodies changing, how would you relate to it? So I know that might've been a little bit vague and somewhat specific at the same time. <laughs> I hope that gave you some, some answer. No, I think it's great. And I think, um, but no, I think that's great. And it sounds like we need to create an app. Right. It sounds like we, like we need to create a pregnancy app that's a safe space for people and um, that takes that into consideration and has almost like kind of loving affirmation and, and reinforcement of how incredible the body is and how this is such an incredible thing that um, we've been blessed with being able to do and 
have fought really hard to be able to do in a lot of cases, you know? And so I think that's amazing that, um, that you see that in those little apps and that you're able to have an inner dialogue for yourself on how to, to switch it. And that you just shared it here. Um, and maybe we should collaborate on, <laughs> on an app on, uh, how to change the language around that. That would be great. Would be I think, amazing I think that, that app is needed. I think so too. I think we should do it. So, um, do you want to tell us a little bit about your personal health journey and how your relationship with body acceptance has kind of shifted over the years to where it is today? And we'll get into that more. So I want to just make sure I'm answering your question. When you say personal health journey, what do you mean by that? Ooh, I guess I'm, what we mean is kind of like your, your, um, evolution, right? Like your evolution from, from wherever you started to, to being a body acceptance coach now, right? Like I know for, for me personally, I didn't start off, you know, thinking this way. I was heavily influenced by diet culture and I assume you were too. So how did that, how did that evolution happen? Mm, Yeah. Um, It started for me when I was young. So I grew up in a family of women who were uh, on the larger size. They basically were always trying to lose weight, were always on diets, and they sort of outwardly would praise thin women and thin bodies, especially if there was any sort of weight loss of, amongst us in our, in our family. And so I picked up that message pretty quickly, and I would notice how you know, they would comment on my sister's body. I mean, she was a child, like it was even happening as a child of how she was then, but they would never say that comment to me. And so I, you know, pretty clearly was able to pick up like, okay, so being thinner is better. And I want the approval and attention and praise from my family. So I gotta, this sounds like something I should be focusing on. So luckily, I guess, I don't know how I really managed it, but I think I was just so busy growing up. I was involved in a lot of sports um, activities at school that, you know, I was lucky enough to not really be focusing on it too much when I was growing up. It really actually happened for me when I graduated university. I was kind of on my own for the first time, you know, like making my way in the world. And it was at that point that I really wanted to focus on for me losing weight and having a smaller body and, you know, achieving everything that I thought that smaller body would give me. And so I was all, I was always interested in health and wellness. I mean, you know, one of my, uh, part of my degree is in health studies. So I was always active and, you know, I, I cared about eating well, but I just kind of really doubled down on it and went hard on this weight loss journey. And because it was kind of the first time that I really attempted weight loss seriously, the weight came off pretty quickly for me. And I, and I was, you know, single, I was working like I had time to dedicate to exercise and whatnot. And I immediately, you know, noticed the attention that I received once I lost weight. And for me, it was also too attention from guys because I was young and I was dating. It was like guys that I would have thought were out of my league before, you know, all of a sudden started paying attention to me. And, uh, 
and that it was kind of this double-edged sword like on the one hand I don't know if that's the right analogy but anyways on the one side it felt really good and it confirmed like yes this is why I wanted to do this because you know now now I look better and people you know seem to think I look great but on the other side it underneath the surface there was kind of a sadness because it was like okay so they didn't think I looked as good before and there's now this fear that I have to maintain this because what happens when I gain it back what are they going to think of me now and so that kind of fueled um, my fixation on it was to maintain this and over the years I became you know more involved in personal development, spiritual development. I became a yoga instructor. I became more kind of into the health and wellness world. And now my identity was sort of tied with my what my body looked like. So now I was a yoga instructor and I had to have a yoga body, quote unquote. Um, I needed to look the part, so I, so I thought. And so I just basically, uh, was really focused on this. It was always like, in, if, if it wasn't in the front of my mind, it was always in the back of my mind to maintain this body size. And it wasn't until my now husband's then boyfriend moved in with me that I was really confronted with how much my dedication to maintaining my body had really taken over my life and the effect that it had had on me. So the first thing I noticed was that I couldn't control my food as much when I had to share meals. So I would start to get mad at him if he gave me like more dressing than I would normally give myself or more rice or whatever. The second part was I couldn't actually spend as much time with him as I wanted because I had to work out. So I would, you know, I started to trade it off like, well, but I don't want to like hang out with my boyfriend. So I wouldn't work out as much or I want to share meals with him. And so I wouldn't be as strict with my food. And then I started to gain weight like really quickly because I didn't know it at the time, but I was like quite underweight for what my body wanted. Um, it also, he also, I found this out from my husband later, but you know, he said it was like walking on eggshells around me because I started weighing myself every day, it kind of turned into a little bit of like a borderline eating disorder, trying to manage my weight. And I would be, you know, my whole day would be dictated by what the number on the scale was. If it went up, if even if it went down, it never satisfied because tomorrow could be a different day. So I think I, at this point, had sort of come across uh, intuitive eating and health at every size I think like on a search looking for like how can I stop emotionally eating and um but when I saw that it was like oh well basically you just let yourself eat I thought well I can't do that like no what's going to happen if I do that so I think it took about a year of me toying with this idea and I just I got to a point actually I remember it I was gonna go on a diet and it was like probably the strictest diet I'd ever come across. And I look at this particular diet now as like kind of a sanctioned eating disorder. Like it's, it's really what it is. And I had this kind of breaking moment where it was the night before uh, I was supposed to start this diet. I was lying in bed 
and I just started sobbing. And I was like, I can't do this. Like, I don't want to live my life like this. If this is what's required for me to maintain this body size, I don't want to do it. And so then not long after that, I just decided to give up cold turkey and said, that's it. I'm done. Like I'm done dieting. I'm done trying to maintain my weight. I threw out my scale and I started absorbing every podcast, book, like everything I could get my hands on around body positivity, health at every size, intuitive eating. And I just let myself go through the process of recovering from restrictive eating and over-exercise. And I gained a lot of weight very rapidly. And I went through then the, the really deep emotional process of everything that came up for me around what did now, uh, the loss of this thin body, um, what I remember actually kind of grieving the loss of this thin body. I had a moment where I remember crying, like it felt like somebody died. Like, like it was, it surprised me and, um, around started to really look at like, what, am, what do I make this bigger body mean? Noticing all the ways that I needed all the external approval from people in order to feel okay about myself and started to say, okay, you know how, this is about how am I gonna get this approval from myself? How can I learn to be okay in the body that I have right now? How can my happiness and my value not be dictated by my body changes? And so through all this process, uh, I had actually was in the process of being certified as a life coach and it all just kind of, you know, the two roads merged together. And I was like, well, this is what I'm going to coach on because I've been through it. You know, I have such deep personal experience of it and that's what brought me to being a body acceptance coach. Time to take a quick break to talk about today's sponsor, BetterHelp. Let's say you're working through your body image and relationship with food. Hello, duh, isn't that why you're here? You've heard us talk all the time about how going to a therapist or a counselor to help work through the issues we have around food and our bodies, how we use food and exercise as a control or coping mechanism can be really helpful. But finding a therapist that specializes in your needs is hard and in-person therapy can be really expensive. That's where BetterHelp comes in. BetterHelp is an online therapy platform that is 100% privacy protected, affordable, and provides professional counseling services from thousands of licensed, accredited, and board certified therapists. To get started, you fill out an intake questionnaire and BetterHelp matches you with your own counselor, who you can see from your own home, either over the phone or on a privacy protected video platform. And you can get connected with someone in under 24 hours. No more waiting for weeks to get an appointment with a therapist in your area who you haven't even met, BetterHelp's mission is to provide everyone with easy, affordable, and private access to professional counseling anytime, anywhere. Get started today. Wholehearted Eating listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com forward slash Dana. That's betterhelp.com forward slash Dana. Love that. Every single thing that you said. It's so 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 important and I want to go into like a couple of different things of what you said but I want to recognize just the identity piece first of what you were talking about is 
I feel like so many people who identify as dieters or like the healthy friend or the one who tries is always trying to lose weight or is always trying to, you know, do a diet or be the fit friend or whatever it is, you know, regardless of what your body size is when you're going through all of that and maybe you don't don't even identify as that but other people have identified you as that right and we can all see this especially when we go to you know if we think of our families the people that we typically see around the holidays like oh aunt susan is the one that's always on a diet you know something like that but i went through a similar process of you know, always being like the fit friend and the healthy friend and the one who was like always looking up food blogs and stuff like shocker, which led me to start my own food blog that was borderline disordered at the time, right? But then, you know, when you are going through this process of, oh my gosh, everything that I've been doing is not actually contributing to my health. It's taking away from my happiness and it's gotten to the point where I feel like my value that I provide in this world is just based on my body size. There is this grieving period of like, oh my gosh, I've been, one, I've been hurting myself this whole time. And then on the second hand, it's like, what do I do going forward? And I feel like a lot of people, especially when they go through different life changes, like you mentioned, you know, moving in with your boyfriend, now husband at the time, kind of forces you to go through that change. And it's really uncomfortable because you don't want to go out of your routine, out of what feels good to you, right? Because like habit, routine, we're like, oh, I want to stick to that. And anything outside is like, no, no, that's not my comfort zone. And especially when it can lead to body changes or what feels like a loss of identity, it's like you said, you're like grieving a past self, but then there's also this worry of like, if this isn't me, who am I and what do I do going forward? And then the like a bigger crisis of how do I actually find happiness in a body that is not so tightly controlled by like what you said are these diets that are basically like sanctioned disordered eating. I can't even break it all, break down how many ways I can, I heard your story, Christina, and I just felt so seen, (laughs) you know, and I hope that, and I hope that all the listeners feel as seen too. And what Dana just shared too. And I think one thing I'd love for you to dive deeper into um, that you mentioned kind of in passing in your story, and I don't want it to go unidentified, is you wrote, you said, I was really underweight for what my body wanted. And I'd love for you to go into more about what this means and how it differs from what we think our ideal body is supposed to be. And I think that's a big piece of that grieving process. And maybe if we can provide some education, because um, we're big on that, um, if we provide education around it, maybe that would give people a little bit more um, of a safety net when they're exploring that and in that grief. And so if you could elaborate on that, that would be amazing. Yeah, there's a lot of, I think, different aspects to that, to that piece of like, what, what, what does my body want to be? Like, what's my quote unquote, ideal weight? Um, I think the first factor that we have to take into consideration is how we're influenced by the BMI. um, And this idea of what is a quote unquote, normal weight. And there's a long history. I mean, it's to me, it's like, insane that the BMI is actually still used. Like it's such a terrible diagnostic tool for anybody's health. And there's a long, a long history of the BMI that uh, I know is explained in the book, Health at Every Size. I don't want to get into it, but basically 
thing is just not a good indicator of body size. And what they actually find long-term is that people who are in the quote unquote overweight category of the BMI live the longest. So that kind of just says something right there of how this is skewed. So we get kind of infiltrated with that. Um, the second part, I, I guess I would say about what is it that my body, the ideal weight my body wants to be is if we've been dieting for such a long time, or we have this idea of what is our ideal body, uh, we have to just look at how that ideal body image has been formed. Like where, where did that come from? So not only is the BMI is the influence, but it's also the images that we see over and over and over on, you know, movies, TV, television, media, social media of what is a quote unquote ideal body. And we can start to think that we have to have that. Um, then we can also have our personal experience with our ideal body. So maybe there was a time in our life where we had a particular body size and we felt the best. So we might start to equate like that I have to be this particular size in order to feel okay about myself. Um, and then for me, like where I, I come from it, where I come at it now is like, what is the ideal weight for my body? There is no ideal weight for my body. It's my body is always going to change based on my life circumstances. So when I say that my body was underweight of where it wanted to be, the, an indication of that was as soon as I gave a little bit of wiggle room to what I was doing and the weight just popped right back on, like that's an indication that my body actually wants to be bigger. It's not, it's not a fault. It's, it's the body saying, hey, like, actually, we could use a little bit more weight here. And so I often liken my experience with uh, weight suppression as if I was holding the beach ball underwater. And so over a long time, you know, it, it gets really tiring or like the slightest shift and that ball pops up out of the water. And that was what it was like for me. So when I started to let go of food rules. And I just essentially just let myself, I, I mean, I went like any full permission to eat. So anything I wanted to eat any time of day in any quantity, that's where I went right after dieting. And I needed that period. That was really important, not only for my body to regain trust that like it can get food again whenever it wants, but psychologically that my mind could trust that I would feed it again, whatever it wanted. It's that psychological restriction that's even the harder part. And then eventually keeping on doing that, it's kind of that backlash eating, as I would call it, dissipated on its own. Because, you know, for me, it was like I was eating ice cream like several times a day for weeks. Eventually, I got to a point where I just didn't want it so much anymore. You know, and I'd start craving like a salad or something like that. And that was really interesting to me to notice that. So after I kind of got back into this balance that wasn't dictated by what I think I should or shouldn't be eating, but really came from a place of internal regulation then my weight settled at a place where it just stayed. And it's actually been that way now for several years. Like I haven't, I haven't weighed myself, but you know, relatively my clothes kind of stay around the same size. 
So that now is where my body wants to be. But that can change depending on what my lifestyle change happens. Like I sometimes say, if I, you know, won the lottery and I decided I'm going to Spain for six months and I'm going to like, I don't know, apparently there's some like big trail there that you can hike, whatever. If that's what I was doing now for the next three months was literally hiking for hours a day, every day, there's probably a chance I'd lose some weight because my lifestyle changed. But if I then return to a desk job and I'm, you know, maybe active a few times a week, my body is going to reflect that too. And that's okay. You know, one's not better than the other. It's just different based on the lifestyle. So when I'm living a life that feels good to me and I have variety and I have, you know, fullness, I'm, I'm, I have, you know, family or I have friends and I'm doing activities that I enjoy, whatever my weight is at that time, that's what my ideal weight is. You know, the ideal weight's going to be different after having a baby, probably. My ideal weight would be different if I had an injury. Like it, it's just, it's fluid. We're not, we're not meant to stay one size. And so it's, it's going to change. Yeah. That's what, um, when you were talking about, um, about the different lifestyles and how it could affect maybe your, your weight in any way. Um, the first thing I kept thinking about the whole time was how fluid it is, you know? And I think a lot of times people, even, I think from like a clinical standpoint, from like a medical standpoint, we all know, and I hope our listeners have, have gathered enough that we don't, we don't, we don't subscribe to this at all. But in the clinical nutrition world, there is a conversation about ideal body weight. And there's like a very, you know, like you calculate it out. It's like all these different things and it's supposed to be for optimal health. Right. Um, that's sarcastic for everyone who doesn't, <laughs> who can't tell, but, um, but I think one thing that happens too is I think we can get really attached to our own ideal weight, like this number that we've become fixated on, this number that we believe that we should be, and like um, a number that we might say to ourselves, like, okay, now that I'm hiking six hours a day in Spain, this is now my new ideal body weight because it allows me to move more freely in the world or get less comments from other people. Or like you said, there's like this reinforcement that happens. Um, you told in your story about this negative reinforcement of this behavior, right? Um, and so I think one thing that I was thinking about while you were talking about this was giving people permission to allow for the fluidity and to say, just because you are in a smaller body because you're hiking six hours a day in Spain doesn't mean that when you come home, you're supposed to carry that behavior home with you and in kind of like grin and bear it, force it into your life. And I think that's the thing that I really loved about your story about how you got to this point where you said when you were executing intuitive eating that you let all permission to eat all the foods. And that in of itself too is kind of like, I'm not going to force myself into weight suppression anymore. And I'm not going to force myself into this very arbitrary ideal weight, whatever that ideal weight we have in our mind, living in our minds and allowing for more fluidity. Um, I think that's, I think that was, um, 
something that I think is important for people to take away that just because you're in a smaller body size because your lifestyle changes doesn't mean that you have to stick to that lifestyle, right? Like, and try to force that on yourself the rest of your life. So that was something that I was thinking about. And I thought that was a really cool um, thing that you had mentioned in there about the fluidity. Yeah. And I think, you know, when you talk about that, like, this is my new ideal weight. This is, oh, I, I'm more active. I move better. Um, one of the things that I always notice, especially from clients, is that they'll tell me, well, when I was thinner, you know, I just felt better in my body. I, I was more like I, I could run farther. I could, you know, whatever. And I would say, but what were you doing then? You know, and what are you not doing now? And so what can happen a lot of times is in this dieting world, it's, it's an all or nothing mentality. So we're either on it or we're off it. And so like, that's just kind of one aspect to it as well as I'll say, so are you running now? Like, what are you, what are you doing now? Cause you can still run in a bigger body. And I always use this example when I was weight suppressing, I would exercise. And I remember having some days where I felt great exercising. I felt so light in my body. I was like, I must have lost weight. Like I feel fantastic. And I'd go and weigh myself and I didn't lose any weight. And I'd be like, huh, you know, and it kind of just stuck with me. It was like, oh, so maybe it's not actually about the number. Maybe it was just about how I was feeling. And the other piece that I wanted to say is like, for me, this journey is really all about, or not a journey, but just this way of living is really all about freedom. So if, if now I have to have this particular body, if I have to have this ideal weight in order to be okay, in order to quote, quote, feel good. What kind of level of stress is that now adding to my life? What am I having to give up on in order to maintain this? So again, like if it's not realistic for me to be hiking six hours a day, you know, like, like I was doing after I won the lottery in Spain, <laughs> if I, you know, if I'm now home and I can't see family and, um, let's just assume this wasn't a huge amount of lottery winnings and I have to go back to work. If I, if I can't now, you know, carry a job, like, is that actually going to give me the life that I want to live? So I'm having a battle with myself. There's an internal battle. I'm really like causing myself a lot of stress by holding this ideal body up for myself. And can I really actually not feel good unless I'm this size? You know, I would question that. I would question different ways that we can, actually in a bigger size a lot of times it's that because we've only had the experience of being on or off we equate being in a bigger body as like not caring anymore or just lazing around and doing nothing like we're we don't have that balance so a lot of it is mental you know, a lot of it is what we're eating and thinking about our bodies that brings us a lot of stress um, when we think that we need to be an ideal weight and it retracts from us feeling okay in the body that we have now. And another part is that we've probably not lived in an actual balanced state uh, for a long time if we've either been on the diet or non-diet train. We're going to stop the episode here for this week. But make sure you stay tuned next week for part two of the episode with Christina Bruce. Well, thank you so much, Christina. This whole conversation has been so 
full of, in the words of Dana, truth bombs, like, <laughs> and lots of really great nuggets along the way. And we just want you to share with us, um, where can people find you? What do you have coming up? If you have anything coming up, I think you mentioned something on Instagram about a yoga class or something soon. Um, we'd love to, yeah, share away, share how people can find you, what they can do with you, how you work with people, all of the things. Yeah, sure. Um, so my website, christinabruce.com is where you can find me, but I'm very active on uh, Instagram and uh, also Facebook. But uh, so those will be the social channels. And yeah, right now because because uh, a baby's on the way and I sort of have some limited time before I take some time off once I have the baby um, I do have some things coming up and some timelines uh, right now I've got a yoga for body acceptance class so it's going to be kind of more of a experiential class where we can really get into our bodies and notice you know how are we feeling as we move them and what kind of beliefs do we have about them and start to focus on acceptance of of where we're at uh, so that's coming up on May 21st, and I'm letting people know that, that even if you're not available to attend live, you can still register and get the recording, and so you can do that after. And then right now, I'm still taking some clients. I have an eight-week body acceptance one-on-one -on -one coaching program where we can start to get you know more deeper into uh, you know what are the beliefs, what are you struggling with with your body, and we can start to put into practice ways to to overcome them and become more rooted and in, in grounded in who you are and confident in your body. And I'm taking new clients uh, up until June 30th. And then I'll be pausing before, before Matt leave. Yeah. Hey friends, it's Dana. And thanks for listening to the wholehearted eating podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please share it with your family and friends. Subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And if you can, we would absolutely love it if you left a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. This helps spread the word so more people can find the show and learn how to break out of diet culture, the body image spiral, and find a more peaceful relationship with food in their bodies with wholehearted eating. If you're interested in learning more about how you can work with me or Christina for one-on-one -on -one nutrition counseling or checking out our self-paced courses, head over to wholeheartedeating.com. And we'll see you again here next week.